Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Oh, hello, chickens. Uh, we are going into the sequel to The Tenth Planet, Twice Upon a Time. Your thoughts, your theories, how you felt about Peter Capaldi's final ever episode. Also starring David Bradley and a little bit of Jodie Whittaker. Hey chickens, uh, welcome to the Theory Podcast. Uh, how did you feel about Twice Upon a Time, the final Peter Capaldi episode? Uh, Brendan Jones, you've been gone too long, uh, from, <laughs> from the Flight Through Entirety podcast, amongst others, um, says it's a lovely coda to both Capaldi and Moffat's eras. The first Doctor's sexism is eye-rolling, but the scene where he explains what he's looking for in the universe is brilliant and perfect. I wish we'd had a Susan cameo. Oh my God, imagine a Susanism. Oh, that'd be so good. Um, Tim said, it works for me because it's full of lovely big moments. The Christmas Day truce scene is a particular favourite. It is really beautifully done. Like that scene where they all uh, start singing uh, Christmas carols. Um, And, you know, it's a true thing that happened. They played football. They made a movie of the football game that they played. Um, Although apparently there were parts where they were still shooting at each other. It wasn't the entire Western Front. It was just a a chunk of it here and there. Um, uh, Ken Moss from the (laughs) Extended Moss podcast says no plot but who cares <laughs> they ramp up the first Doctor's sexism way beyond how he ever was but again who cares sublime to look at and superbly acted I could watch this over and over what a beautiful end to the era oh speaking of sublime to look at if you uh, have yourself a, one of those 4K players and a 4K television, you can watch this in the 4K, and it is pretty spectacular. Um, I got a message on my DMs uh, from 
the other Adam, uh, who enjoyed the recap and said, I also like this one for all its flaws. But how do you feel about the regeneration being played for a swan song these days? All the recapping of companions and literally saying goodbye, like Eleven and Amy in particular, feel a bit on the nose for me. It might it might be that I'm used to classic regenerations or I'm just an old grump. <laughs> but I would love to see a different take, less metatextual and more in-story, less nods to the fans and more exploration of what it's like to regenerate. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I did reply and say, look, this is something John Nathan Turner started with the when the fourth Doctor regenerated into the fifth and the fifth into the sixth because there was a lot of, uh, you know, they had a lot of... One was um, flashbacks. The I think fourth to fifth was flashbacks, but fifth to sixth, they got people in to record things specifically saying goodbye to him. Um uh, and other uh, Adam said, "Oh yeah, the spur- the circle spinning around five. <laughs> and he said, "I don't mind it per se. I I think it's just usually a bit too hammy. Also, adopting anything from John Nathan Turner is dubious. Um, and he said, "Or go hard and every regeneration, no matter what Time Lord gets a montage scene that derails the episode, like that counselor who regenerated in Hellbent. Just stop the story. Have a bunch of people we've never seen before come in from nowhere to say goodbye." <laughs> Then it becomes a plot point. Oh, the only way that we can save the day is to trigger an egregious regeneration montage. <laughs> it is a little bit weird <laughs> when you put it like that. Um, <laughs> uh, Dwayne from the Sirens of Audio podcast says, uh, I loved it. Second best finale after the parting of the ways. Um <laughs> Darren said, I really enjoyed re-watching this. So much fun to be had early on and so much pathos at the end. There is a lot of pathos. Uh, and it, because it's the last ever episode that Murray Gold did as composer, I feel like he threw the entire orchestra at the wall. Like, it's like, listen to all of this! Um, Nairi said she's really enjoying these. One and Twelve Together is making you so giggly. Oh, me so giggly! Yes, it was. Uh, And she loves it. It truly is a madness. Please stop saying that! And then three crying laughter face emojis! Um, (laughs) James on the DM. I love when James slides into my DMs. I get very excited. Um, He says, here's my two bobs worth. (laughs) Very frustrated as I appear to have let my DVD to someone. Oh no! Oh, I hate that when you got to watch something and you know you don't have it anymore. Um, so he's working from memory from the last time he watched Twice Upon a Time, which, to be honest, isn't that long ago. It's only about two years old. The episode. Uh, my impression was this was a, this story is a turd. Oh, stinky! Wrapped in some very sublime packaging. I love all of the framing. The Doctor's meeting and bantering with each other relentlessly. Mark Gaddis's stoey, vulnerable soldier. And the inevitable reveal of his identity. Later on, the return to the battlefield and the ultimate journey of the two Doctors to their eventual ends. That's all sublime. But the bit in the middle leaves me cold. Mr. Moffat is plagiarising himself in creating an electronic afterlife. And the Doctor of War stuff reeks. Toddling off to visit Rusty is just a lot of padding to get to a bit of pointless explanation of the low-stakes mystery. Even so, I forgive this story because it starts and ends so well, and there are so many delightful interactions between the various characters. The scene with Bill and the First Doctor in the ruins is especially magical. Yeah, it's really a sweet scene, and but it, for me it kind of feels weirdly interrupted by the glass arms and all that kind of weirdness. Uh... Um, he says, also, it's only on repeat viewings that I've gone sour on the middle bit. On first watching, which was at Whovians, it was great. 
And then there's the end with Jody. You may remember that at the Whovians recording, that section still had not been released. There was nothing of Jody at all. It was worth the wait to see her manic, gleeful, and instantly doctorish arrival. Hurrah! Um, yeah, the 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 Jody Whitaker bit. Like we didn't get that on our first preview version. By the way, we got this episode months in advance for some weird reason. Like in September or October, I was like, "What? There's Doctor Who on my iPad? Where did that come from?" Um. And then we still didn't get the ending. Uh, and when we watched it in the studio, we had to record the bit about Hoovians, the the Hoovians of the bit where we talked about the re- regeneration. We had to record that before the audience came in because they weren't going to be allowed to see it. And everyone had to sign a non-disclosure agreement because it was like about a week before Christmas. And it was a very fraught uh, experience. Um, and also we only got to watch the Jodie Whittaker bit when we sat around a table and watched it on a laptop. It was very strange. <laughs> um, I know. I, it was so much better when I finally watched I think it was in Yarrawonga when I finally watched it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very full on. By the way, when I went on uh, to talk about this being the Brigadier's dad, uh, James sent me a message, adjusts glasses, strokes beard. Well, actually, I think you'll find that the captain was the Brigadier's grandfather, not his father. Oh. Uh, I'd been trying to work this out, so I did the cheating approach and looked up when Nick Courtney was born, uh, the actor who played the Brigadier. Dear, which was 1929. This would work for how old he looked when we first met him in the Web of Fear. Given that the captain was supposed to die, and also that the character would be 40-ish, it's unlikely that he would go on to Father Alistair at the events of Twice Upon a Time. I have to assume that one of the boys was his father. Curse you for giving me an outlet for my nerdish tendencies, Adam. Yeah, I know, but wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey. Like, 29... You could ostensibly add 10 years or more. Like, because if this is, what, this is 1914? So 15 years to the Brigadier's age without too much fudging around. Oh, but then again, the unit stories are supposed to be set in maybe 1980, maybe 1970. Look, I think we can fudge with the Brigadier's age a little bit. I'm saying it's his son. I, I'm, I'm going with it, James. I don't, I'm, yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't really make sense, but let's go with it. Uh- <laughs> Also, one of the things that um, kind of annoyed me about this episode was the the fact that there were no stakes, that it was just a nice thing. And I feel like, and, and as James said, having Rusty there just as like a, oh, let's have a bit of jeopardy. I wonder if maybe, like, if there'd been one more draft of the script and in that one, Rusty has decided he wants all of the memories because he's got his huge database he wants all of the memories that are in the testimony and the testimony is so they seem like the threat and then the testimony is under threat once rusty discovers what they are and so then we have a bit more jeopardy uh before we barrel on to the end of the episode because it just it feels like as soon as we find out that they're doing something nice that all of the dramatic thrust goes out of the episode. And I love that it's it's trying to do something new, trying to do something different by going, oh no, it's a nice thing. But as as Capaldi says, I don't I, I don't know I don't know what to do when they're nice, when it's a you know, when it's not an evil plot. Um and that's a fun joke for that moment, but just for the thrust of the story it just kind of peters out a little bit. Anyway, next episode we are continuing on from where Twice Upon a Time 
and the 10th planet left off, we are regenerating into Patrick Troughton. Uh, the special edition Blu-ray of <laughs> Power of the Daleks has just come out. It's animated. Um, there's also the original edition, which you can probably find a copy of. Or uh, you can listen to it on audio, however you want to get your Power of the Daleks fix. Uh, it's six episodes, uh, so it's going to be a bit of a slog. But yes, jump on board. We are regenerating into Patrick Troughton in the cartoon. <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.